Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys. Welcome to everyone in this room. Welcome to our Grovetown campus, our South Campus, our Dream Center, those who are on vacation watching from the beach, wherever you are. We're so glad that you guys are here. You see, I got my backpack with me because even though it's 120 degrees outside, it is time to get ready to go back to school. It is upon us and we are collecting backpacks as we do every year. I love being part of a church that is just meeting practical needs in our community. And there are a lot of kids in our community that are going to struggle to get the school supplies they need. And so our church is coming together across all three campuses in our Dream Center to collect at least 500 backpacks by next Sunday. And so we still have a ways to go. So you can get a backpack, fill it up, or you can give uh, 40 bucks online and somebody else will do the shopping. They'll buy a backpack. They'll put all the gear in it. I'm going to just leave this up during the sermon so you guys can be thinking about it. It's got me thinking about the kind of stuff that I took to school because I went to school a long time ago. It was basically a one-room schoolhouse on the prairie that I went to. It was a long time ago. And if my kids put on the clothes that I wore when I went to school and took the stuff I took, it wouldn't even look like they were going to school. It would look like they were doing a bad historical reenactment. It's been a long time. Because when I went to school, we had stuff like floppy disks. You guys remember this stuff? Trapper keepers? Oh, yeah. Now it's coming back. I had an A-Team Mr. T lunchbox. Anybody else? That's old school. That'd be worth some money if I still had that. So things looked a little different. But school supplies, they've always been important. I'm so excited for our teachers, our administrators, our students getting ready to go back. It's going to be a great, great year. And so don't forget, though, to pick up a bag. It's going to make a big difference in the life of a student. And so we're wrapping up our series today on heroes. It's the last hero sermon of course, I, we say it's the last one. It might be like the Avengers movie where they said it was the last one, and then they've had like 100 spinoffs since then, so we might do that. But as far as we know, this is the last hero sermon, but still come back in the coming weeks. We've got some really exciting stuff planned uh, over the next few weeks. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be an exciting time here at the Creek. But as we wrap up this series today, it's going to be a little different. In the weeks past, the five previous weeks leading up to this, Every week, we focused in on one hero from the Bible, one man or one woman, and we've learned from their life. But today, we're going to look at multiple heroes. So this sermon is called Jesus's Heroes. Who were those people that, in the stories of Jesus recorded in the Bible, that when he would interact with them, he would say, yes, you're doing it right. They're doing it right. Because if Jesus is praising somebody's behavior, I want to know more about that person and what they did because as followers of Jesus, our goal should be to, for, for Jesus to be clapping and saying, yes, you are doing it right. And we see in the Gospels, which are the stories about Jesus in the Bible, so many encounters that he had where he was really impressed or amazed by something that somebody did. And we're going to focus in on some of that. But to kind of make it unique today, I'm going to focus specifically on some of those interactions that happen to be with women in the Bible. Because our, our hero series has been pretty male-heavy so far. We did Queen Esther, of course, but other than that, it's, it's been a bunch of dudes. But when you look at the Gospels, 
Jesus had so many powerful interactions with women. Some of his closest friends were women, sisters Mary and Martha. Uh, They had a brother named Lazarus. Those were some of his closest friends. And all through the Bible, all through Scripture, when Jesus is telling stories, very often he would use a female hero. When he was pointing out the faith of someone being authentic, very often he would highlight it being a woman. Now, we read that in our modern context and don't think a whole lot of it. But rewinding the clock 2,000 years to when Jesus was on this earth, that was radically countercultural because Jesus came in a time and a place where women were held down in ways that we can't even really fathom. And so I would argue Jesus actually did more to elevate the status of women than maybe anyone else in human history. And by elevating it, just putting them back in their rightful place of equals, co-bearers of God's image. But he did that in a time and place when People didn't think that way because to be a woman in first century Palestine, Israel, it it was a place where you didn't have a lot of rights. Women weren't able to make most of their own decisions. Their father made their decision for them until they got to that very young age when they were married off, and then the husband made their decisions for them. They weren't given access to education for the most part. They weren't given access to career opportunities. They were distrusted in really bizarre ways. Their testimony, a woman's testimony, was not valid in a court of law. So you as a woman could be criminalized and you could not even go to court to testify about it because your testimony didn't count. There was a terrible double standard of how punishments were dealt out for the same crimes. Even moral crimes like adultery, if if a couple was found in the act of adultery, the woman could be executed And the dude, they just sort of shrugged it off. I mean, there were some terrible double standards happening in Jesus' day. And then on top of that, men and women didn't really interact. Outside of your immediate family, men in public didn't even speak to women. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he flips that completely upside down. And when we read the scriptures, we don't even read it in the radically countercultural way that it was because now this seems so normal to us that it would have seemed something completely different when Jesus was engaging his female friends and followers in the way that he did with the respect that he did. And so I thought it would be an interesting way to wrap this series up to just focus on some of those interactions and what we can learn from these extraordinary ladies who made an impression on Jesus through their faith. And before we get there, just to kind of recap what we've learned in the series so far, This whole hero series has kind of come down to this point. A hero is anyone who chooses to courageously follow God and guides others to do the same. So you don't have to be rich or famous. You don't have to wear a cape. You don't have to be able to dunk a basketball or any of that. You can be a hero if you will just live out an authentic faith and then guide others to do the same. The Bible tells us this, remember your leaders or remember your heroes who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. So we should celebrate those people both in scripture, in history, and right now in our own lives, our own parents and peers and mentors and the people in our lives who have pointed us towards faith in Christ because that's what heroes do. That's all it takes, living with the real faith and guiding others to do the same. Every week we've looked at people who've done that, regular imperfect people just like you and me because regular imperfect people are the only kinds of people that God uses. Jesus is the only perfect hero in the Bible, but yet he works through all of us and invites all of us to be part of the story that he's telling and it's a story that's gonna last forever. 
So before we dive into scripture and look at some of these interactions today, just to sort of set the stage, I want to show a clip from the show The Chosen, which is a show about Jesus's life. And this is one of the longest recorded conversations Jesus ever had in the Bible, and it happens in John chapter 4 of your Bible, and it's with a person that the Bible describes as the Samaritan woman at the well. And what we know about this encounter is that Jesus went out of his way to be at the well at this specific time and specific place to encounter this specific woman. And just the fact that he spoke to her at all was, again, something radically countercultural because Not only was she a woman, but she's a woman who, by the standards of the day, had lived a scandalous life, and on top of that, she was outside of the Jewish race, and there was a lot of of things, that tensions between Jews and Samaritans that caused them not to interact. But Jesus went straight to her to engage her in a very meaningful conversation to ultimately reveal to her and then ultimately to the world after that who he really was, and there's a lot we can learn from this conversation. So let's take a few minutes and watch this together to get started. Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew. Ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but... I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water, hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. (laughs) 
Oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth, heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. So of all the places that Jesus could have chosen to first reveal that he was the Messiah, which he does later in this conversation, the, the long-awaited Messiah, the one that the scriptures had pointed to for hundreds and hundreds of years, and he didn't do it in a big sermon, he didn't do it with a group of religious leaders, but he went and found this one woman who felt forgotten by God and outcasted by society, and in that one-on-one -on -one conversation is the very first place that Jesus revealed who he really is. And there's so much that we can learn from, from the heart of our Savior in that, in the way that he pursues us, in the way that he finds us, in the moments when we feel forgotten and neglected, that God is searching for us. And I just, I love, I just love the heart of our Savior. Throughout the Gospels, there were so many interactions Jesus had. And again, we're going to focus on a few of these that happen to be with women, of women of great faith, and what we can learn from these heroes of the faith. So what are the kinds of behaviors that Jesus really praises, that gets our Savior excited? Number one is this. Jesus honors those who call others to faith and obedience. Jesus' very first miracle happened at a wedding feast, and his mom is the one that kind of set the stage for it. And, you know, they, they'd run out of wine, which culturally was a really big deal and could bring shame upon the hosts and the, the bride and the groom. And so... So she looks to Jesus to, to miraculously make more, and he turns water into wine. But before he does, she gives what I believe is the best advice you can ever give, ever. That's a big statement, but I think this is true. Mary, in one statement, gives the world's best advice. Jesus' mother told the servants this, do whatever he tells you. That's it. Do whatever Jesus tells you. That's the best advice I got. That's the, that, because if you're doing what Jesus tells you, you're always going to be doing the right thing. If you follow what God's word tells you, you're always going to be on the right track. And yes, we live in a complicated world where there are all kinds of nuanced and difficult things we face. But if we'll boil it down to the simple principles God has given us and live by those principles, then you'll be on the right track. Even if the world around you feels like it's losing its mind, if you'll, if you'll love and live with faith and you'll do the things that God has called us to do, if you'll do whatever he tells you, you're always going to be on the right track. So that's good advice. Another thing that inspires Jesus, Jesus honored those who give with wholehearted generosity. You know, he, 
he was moved by people who, who gave. He was moved by people who had a heart for those who were less fortunate and gave. I mean, he, I think, is, is deeply moved by just the heart of a church that's sending kids that might not have the school supplies otherwise with what they need. And I'm so thankful to be a part of a church doing that kind of thing. Jesus pointed out what generosity looks like in this story. And again, he, he highlights a potentially unlikely hero uh, to show what generosity really means. So Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, but then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has to live on. And so the, the scene here was, was like the giving in this situation was kind of like a, a public thing. You know, you, you walk up to the collection box and some guys were just like making it rain in there and wanting people to see that they were putting a lot in and like, hey, I'm a big deal, I can give a lot. And Jesus was not impressed by that. I mean, he's thinking like, like yeah, that, that's good that you're giving and, and work will be done because, you're, because of that, but, but there's not really a heart of generosity behind it because you're, you're sort of doing it for show. But then this, this lady very quietly comes up without any fanfare, without anybody paying attention, and she's rummaging around to see what she has. And she pulls out all she has, these two small coins that don't represent much money at all. And yet, to her, it, it was everything. And she gave it with joy, and she gave it with faith, knowing that God, who's always taken care of her, would continue to take care of her. And Jesus said, now that, that's generosity that she gave out of extravagant love for God, not for show or anything else. And that's the kind of generosity that I, I want you to have, Jesus is teaching us. You know, when I read that story, I'm reminded of, of a story that happened in my, my own family, a, a, also a two-coin story that I think kind of captures what real generosity looks like. I wasn't even old enough to remember this, but I heard the story later and it always stuck with me. So when I was very young, about three years old, and I was three, and my, my, I have a younger brother that was like one at the time, and another brother who had not been born yet, but we were a young family, and my parents at this season of life were, they were poor. I mean, like, we were broke. Dad had been laid off from work. He's desperately trying to find more work, but in that interim period, like, there was just no way to make ends meet. And my parents are some of the most hardworking and resourceful people on earth, but they were just in a really, really tough and difficult season. So dad comes home one day after a, a day at the job hunt without much luck, and my mom is crying, which almost never happens. I think in my entire life, I maybe could count on one hand the times I've seen her cry. She's a very incredibly tender-hearted person, but just showing that kind of outward expressive emotion is just not something that she typically does. So when, when she was crying, dad knew something is up, and he said, what, what's going on? What's wrong? And she said, we're out of milk and I've looked through this whole house, like I've dug through the couch cushions and there is no money to buy any more milk. And you know, she's got a crying baby and a hungry toddler and that's a desperate spot to be in as a, as a parent. And so dad starts looking through the house and he's looking in his wallet and there's nothing there. And then he thinks about two coins. You see, when dad was a kid, he used to collect coins and some of the only ones he still had were these two silver dollars that his grandmother had given him when he was a little boy. And he'd held on to them because they had some real value in the right circumstances, you could sell them and make some money. 
but also because of the sentimental value. This was the only thing he really had left tangibly from his grandmother to whom he'd been very close. But in that moment, those two silver coins that meant so much to him, all they meant to him in that moment was the fact that he could go buy a $2 gallon of milk. And so he took those coins, he went to the store, and he came back with milk. He traded something that was of great value to him for the sake of someone that was of much more value to him. And that's what generosity looks like, is when we're willing to lay down something that matters to us, whether it's our time or our money or whatever, for the sake of someone who matters more to us, our God, our family, the people that God has put into our lives. And when we'll live with that kind of generosity, God will do great things through us. And it's not just financial. Some of the most generous people I know don't really have the money to give. But they're generous with their encouragement. They're generous with their time. They're, they're generous just to, to show up when they're needed. They're, they're generous to like show up to the blood center and donate a pint of blood and, and make, make what they can make with what they have to, to help. We can all live generous lives, even if you've got zero dollars in the bank, even if you're down to your last two coins, we can live with generosity. And when we do, it opens us up to God's blessings, not necessarily always financial blessings. I'm not saying that when you give a dollar, God gives you back 10. It doesn't usually work like that. But he blesses us in terms of reminding us through our generosity of his peace and his presence. And, the, and we're not owned by the things of this world. And so we won't hold on too tightly to them. And that's why generous people tend to be the, the happiest people. It's not a coincidence that the word miser and the word miserable come from the same root and people that hold on too tightly to their stuff and their time and everything else, they end up miserable most of the time. When God calls us to live with generosity the way that that woman did who inspired him. Something else that inspired Jesus. Jesus celebrated heroes who displayed perseverance. In Luke chapter 15, he tells three consecutive stories. And in each of these stories, the, the message of the story is the same. And that's that we should never give up searching for that which matters most. In one of the stories, it was the tenacity of a woman. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels with even one sinner who repents. And so the coin in this story isn't really the point. It's saying it represents searching for something valuable. And what's really valuable are people, like searching after people who were lost. And, and Jesus is saying, like, you can learn a lot from this, from this lady. Like in our house, the only one who's good at finding stuff is my wife. There are five guys in the house. We are all terrible at finding anything. She's like, where's the remote? Where's my shoes? Where's my, like, no, we just can't find stuff. But Ashley will always find it. She just will, she doesn't give up. We quit too easy, I guess. She always ends up finding it because she doesn't quit. And Jesus is saying, be like her. Don't quit halfway through the search. Keep searching until you find it, especially when you're searching for something that matters. Because the heart of God is to search after people who are far from him. People who, who've, who've wandered off, who feel neglected or forgotten. He says, go and find them. Find them because... God wants the reunion with them. He wants them to know that they're loved, that they're not forgotten. And it's our job as the church to go out there and to and encourage them and to tell them the truth of who God is and the love that he has for them. 
We should be tenacious. I heard a story on the news last year of, of a tenacious father who never gave up a search. It was a heartbreaking story that, that had a happy ending in some ways. So 25 years ago in China, on the other side of the world, there was uh, this, this young family that had their two-year-old son kidnapped right from their front yard. He was just playing outside the front door and he disappeared. And this family just spent all they had to find him. In fact, the, the dad dedicated his whole life, all, that his, all his money, all his time, everything, to finding his son. And he was so tenacious in the search that there was actually a movie over in that part of the world made about his search. And all hope seemed lost and people thought, well, man, there's no way. Years and years and years had passed until until he finally cracked the case and, and found out that the people that had taken his son were these, these really you know, evil, manipulative folks who had sold this poor child into this very shady adoption agency. And then this family on the other side of China had adopted him, having no idea of, of his history or that he had been kidnapped. And, and so all these years later, 24 years of searching, this father is reunited with his son. And there's a, a picture of them at this airport in China when he first hugs his son after 24 years. And that represents, on an even greater scale, an infinitely greater scale, the love that God our Father has for you and for me and the relentless pursuit he has to come after you and me when we're lost in our sin, when we're far from him, to say, I, I want you, you're part of my family, I love you. I just dream about you being back home. And it's our job for those who have already found our hope in Christ to go out into the world and to share that message, to share that message that God loves you. He is searching for you. He wants you in his family. He wants a reunion like that with you, one that will last forever. And we've got to be about the business of searching and not giving up. Next, Jesus praised those who displayed extravagant faith and love. One of the most famous examples of this in the Bible is when he was at a dinner at this religious leader's house, and all these dudes were sitting around the table, and all these guys were, were trying to look real impressive and, and be proper, and Jesus is a guest there, and he's interacting with them. But then this woman comes in, and it's this, this woman who wasn't even invited to the dinner, but she came in motivated by such love for Jesus, and she just had to get to him, and she begins to weep. She begins to anoint his feet with this very expensive perfume that she had. It represented all that she had. And it was this beautiful act of worship that was just scandalous to the guys around the table. They're like, what is this? What is she doing? This is crazy. And Jesus points to her and says, guys, she's the only one here who's doing it right. You guys are all just worried about your reputation. But she is pouring out her heart to me, she's the only one here who really understands who I am. Here's how the story goes. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Simon's the guy that's hosting this dinner. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you, Simon, didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. 
The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Jesus is pointing to all these guys and saying like, you guys don't get it. You don't even really think you need a savior. You think you've got it all figured out and that, that you're, you're already respected in the community and you've got it all together. But I see into your hearts and I see that like all people, you've got a lot of junk going on in there. A lot of pride and selfishness and deceit. And I've come to set you free of all of that, but you've got to admit that you need me. See, she gets it. She's not letting her pride get in the way. She's not letting all of this, this posturing get in the way. She is just here to worship out of gratitude because she understands who I am and she understands how much I love her. She understands that I've come to set her free. And so she's the one, she's the one who's leaving here blessed. And on top of that, Jesus says this, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And his prophecy is true today here in this church, one of the many places around the world where the gospel is being preached and her story is being told in memory of her as an example of what extravagant faith and worship really looks like in a way that pleases the heart of Jesus, our Savior. One final thing that Jesus celebrates. He celebrates the heroes of faith who choose to follow him and simply keep going. Now, through this whole series, we've looked at, again, some extraordinary men, extraordinary women, and one thing that they all have in common is, is perseverance. That they were in different times and place in history, they faced different challenges, but all of them said, you know what, I'm gonna trust God and I'm gonna keep going. And none of these people were perfect. I'm so thankful for the example of, of imperfect, regular people like us because imperfect, regular people are the only kinds of people God uses. Jesus is the only perfect person who's ever lived because he was God in the flesh, God's own son. All the rest of us, all the rest of us are kind of messed up. And Jesus is like, I know, and that's okay. Come to me and I will work through you in amazing ways. And he has got a great plan for your life because all of these stories that we're telling, we're part of that same story. They did their part. All these heroes, they ran their part of the race and now they're handing the baton to us. We're continuing that same story. And until Jesus comes back, the story's not finished. We all have a part to play in it. So the Bible says this to us. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, in other words, all these people who've already run their part of the race that are now from heaven cheering us on, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So when we're thinking about giving up, think of Jesus. Think of what he endured for us. Think of him on the cross, paying the price for our sin, taking the punishment we deserved because he loves us so much, and that gives us the strength to keep going. Now, that doesn't mean we never rest. That doesn't mean that we don't have seasons where we just rejuvenate and heal and all of that. But when I say keep going, I mean don't give up on our faith. Don't give up on those principles that he's called us to live by. Keep trusting him. Keep moving forward. Keep persevering. 
As we wrap up this series, I want to tell you one last story. It happened to me about 12 years ago. Now, I've never audibly heard God speak, uh, but there was one time when I'm convinced that God sent me a text message, all right? In fact, he's actually sent all of us a text message. It's called the Bible, and we should never be too busy to read God's text message. Some random friend texts you, you'll, you'll wreck your car to read it, so we should be willing to always make time to read the text message God sent us. But there was one time when he sent me something a little bit extra, and you might just call it a coincidence, but I'm convinced that this was, this was something God wanted to tell me, and it's something God wants to tell you. It wasn't just a message for me, it's a message for you too. So it happened about 12 years ago, and I was in a really difficult season. I was just in a stressful season of life. And we've all had those seasons. Maybe you're in one right now. You know, maybe you at our Grovetown campus, at our South campus, you're, you're sitting there thinking, it's, it's so stressful right now in my finances, in my work, in my marriage, in, in some part of my life. I'm like, God, where are you? And, and that's where I was. We had we had, we'd left the, the creek. We were living in a different state. I was doing a different, different position at a different church. It was, it was a difficult adjustment. We had two young kids. We were having a hard time in every part of life. Felt misunderstood in our community. We were struggling at work, at home, in our finances, in our parenting, and everything just seemed out of whack. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but we were there, and maybe you're there right now. And so... Ashley and I are talking one night in our living room, and I get up, and I'm just sort of stomping around the living room, and I'm venting to her, and then I start talking to God in just sort of a frustrated way. And God can handle your frustrated prayers, by the way. He's, he, you can be honest with Him. And I was being very honest. I'm like, God, I, I don't know where you are right now. I mean, I know, yes, you're with me, but I don't feel that. And I'm, I'm feeling lost and confused and frustrated, and I'm at the end of my rope, and I'm exhausted and I don't know what to do. And I'm praying and I just feel like you're being quiet. But if you would just show me what to do, I would do it. Just show me what to do and I'll do it. And I plopped back down on the couch just in frustration. And I kicked my feet up and, and Ashley pointed at my foot and she said, there's a sticker on your foot. And I, I pulled down off, off my big toe and I pulled the sticker off. And it was some sticker I guess the kids had gotten at church or somewhere and left on the floor but I took it as the message God wanted me to have in that moment. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And the next thing I know, I've got a sticker on my foot. And it was so meaningful to me that I put it on the front of my Bible and I've looked at it countless times since then. And here's the picture of it I took that day 12 years ago. It just says, keep going. It's all grainy. Sorry, cell phones were not what they were 12 years ago. But if you can't read it, it just says, keep going. And that's all that I needed. And, and I, it reminded me, look, God is with me in this. It reminded me of all his promises, that he's never gonna leave me or forsake me, that he has a plan and a purpose for what I'm going through, that there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. It reminded me of all of the truths in the actual text message that he sent me. And it gave us the strength to keep going. And things didn't instantly change. Things were still hard for a while. But... As we kept going and we kept persevering, things started to get better and better and better, and we started to see doors opening. We started to understand more of why we were in that difficult place for the time we were. And so I share that with you to wrap this series up because I think some of us in this place right now, some of us watching online right now, you're praying some of those same prayers I was praying 12 years ago. God, where are you? What do you want me to do? If you would just tell me what to do, I'll do it. 
And I believe maybe the reason that God has you watching this message right now is because he wanted to remind you of those same two words. Keep going. That he is with you in this. He's with you in this. And so in just a minute, we're gonna pray and wrap up. And as, as we leave uh, after the prayer, because that little sticker meant so much to me, we've had a sticker made for every single one of you guys. Say, so keep going. And they're just $5 a piece. No, I'm just kidding. They're free. They're totally free. <laughs> so at every one of our campuses, when you leave, uh, they're gonna give you a sticker and you can do whatever you want with it. If you need to put it in the front of your Bible like I did, if you wanna put it on your refrigerator, if you're having a tough time at work and you just wanna put it up in your cubicle, every time you get a, like a mean email from your boss that you can just look up at that thing, all right, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. And God's gonna get me through this and let it be a reminder of God's presence in your life his faithfulness to you, and that he has a plan and a purpose for everything that you're going through. I'm so thankful for that. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Let's pray together before we wrap up. Father, thank you. Thank you for being our hero, Jesus. Thank you for being our champion, our savior, our Lord. Thank you for loving us, pursuing us, and caring for us. Even when we're, we're, we're sinning, even when we're lost, even when we're bound up in our own mistakes, God, you relentlessly pursue us with your love. God, for anyone here today that has not yet made that decision to give you their heart, let today be the day they say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. Adopt me into your family. I'm done running from you, God. Now I wanna run with you. I wanna go through this life with you. Make me into the person I was meant to be. And for all of us, Lord, help us live out our life. The story of faith that you've been writing from the beginning of time. Let us fulfill our part of that story. Help us to be faithful. Show us what it looks like for us to be faithful right where we are. In this time and place, you've allowed us to live and be born. Help us to live with faithfulness. Help us to keep going. For those here who are struggling, God, give them your hope in this moment. Remind them of your presence with them. And even as they leave here in a few moments, let them leave feeling lighter and freer. We love you so much, Lord pray your blessing on all of us here that we would continue to be a blessing in your name in this world who needs your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Guys, thank you so much for being part of this series. Don't forget the backpacks. Next Sunday is the last Sunday. Let's bless some kids this year as they head off to school. It's gonna be a great start to the school year. And even though this series is over, be here next Sunday because we got some really cool surprises planned. God bless. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.